Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. I have a question for you. And you can show your hands, you can raise them, and those of you that are watching on the live stream, don't worry, we'll see. Um, It's okay. Um, How many of you have ever felt like the odd person out? Okay, good. That's the majority of us. I would imagine that, of course, everyone has experienced this feeling of being on the outside. Everyone knows what it feels like to be picked last on the team. Oh, man, did it hurt. Did it hurt to know that I was the last little guy to be picked for a basketball team to play, and sometimes I was just sitting on the bench. Everyone's experienced that emotional hurt of being excluded. We all have this desire to belong, to fit in, to find community. We all have this desire to feel loved and cherished and accepted. And some of us, we get it by being a part of the body of Christ. Some of us in our world find this sense of belonging through kind of local organizations, whether it be clubs or... um, I guess that would be it, clubs or like the Rotary Club or, you know, book clubs or political groups that meet together and they're united in this, this cause to move forward. And that's where they find their sense of belonging. I found a great sense of belonging in playing basketball, even when I was picked last. And now I'm, I'm finding a greater sense of belonging with my Steeler fans. Go Steelers, right? Right? Because we're doing really well. (laughs) Rallying. (laughs) And it's fun. It's good to be accepted and to feel loved and cherished. And all these things, all these places and activities help people feel like they're accepted and they belong. They unite people under common interests. Because we, let's face it, want to feel like we belong somewhere. And our passage this morning starts with the word accept. Accept. And Paul is talking specifically to the church. And I said this last week, you're all experts on the context of Romans. You all know this so well. Paul's letter to the church in Rome He lays down this beautiful foundation, this beautiful theological groundwork as he looks forward to visiting them, the Jews and the Gentile Christians together. He spends in the early chapters of Romans unpacking God's righteousness, how good and righteous God is. He unpacks the significance of the law and the adherence to the law and the significance of the Jew and the law together in the relationship. He tells us about our humanity and our brokenness and that we are unrighteous. But he gives us hope because Christ imparts his righteousness to us and we are thereby justified by faith. See, he's laying down this beautiful foundation for us as we recognize that through Adam we've died 
But in Christ we have life. And he goes on and he talks about Israel, not all Israel is Israel. And finally he gets to chapter 12. And now the theological framework that he has laid this beautiful foundation for, it's time for it to take root in our lives. It's time to show us how to live in a response to this theological framework. It's answering the so what in chapter 12. And he starts and he says it very clearly. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. He speaks this to the Romans. The Romans who are Christian Gentiles. And he speaks this to the Jewish believers who are in Rome. And Paul calls the church in chapter 13 to submit to authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. And then chapter 14 begins this section about weak and strong. And the Gentiles and the Jews were experiencing some tension between each other. They're passing judgment against one another, which is divisive. Someone's conscience allows them to eat meat, while another prohibits them from eating meat or drinking wine, or celebrating Jewish holy days. The conversation now begins to divide them based on the practice of their faith. And Paul starts in chapter 14 with accept. Accept. And the passage that we start this morning also starts with the word accept. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to turn to chapter 15 in Romans. We're going to start in verse 7. And if you've got a phone or tablet, you just scroll real quick or punch the number. It'll jump right there. It's this great thing about modern technology. Hear the word of our Lord. Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 7. Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul 
concludes this conversation about the strong and the weak right here. In the midst of all of their division, in the midst of their conversations that's creating all this tension, he concludes this discussion in this chapter. And what's fascinating about it, starting in chapter 14, scholars are all divided on where the chapter 15 marker should be. Even in this passage, they're debating about where this chapter and verse should really be marked. Where does the idea begin? Where does it end? But I can tell you the conversation starts in 14 and comes to its conclusion as Paul looks in chapter 14 very closely at the church. And then he zooms in even more with those who are strong. And then in verse 7 of chapter 15, he takes a step back and he speaks to the church, the Jews and the Gentile Christians, and he says, accept one another just as Christ accepts us in order to bring praise to God. That as we accept one another, the byproduct of that is bringing praise to God. Because we know what it feels like to be left out. We know what it feels like to be accepted by Christ. It's this profound mystery. I mean, Christ, fully God and fully human, accepts me. In all of my ugliness, in all of my pride. I know, that's hard to think that I'm prideful and ugly to people because I'm such a good person, right? No, I know myself better than anybody else knows me. And yet Christ accepts me and welcomes me. And in return, that is the message that Paul is saying to the church. Accept one another. Because we have this foundation where we know we were once lost and now we're found. We were once dead and now we're alive. He goes on and he says, Christ is the, the servant of the Jews For what purpose? For the full inclusion of the Gentiles. Thereby fulfilling God's promises. Enabling Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. This was God's plan all along. First to the Jews, then for the Gentile. The weak, most likely the Jewish Christians, need to accept the Gentile Christians. Because God's ultimate purpose was for their inclusion. Rather than holding to their, the tradition that isolates, Paul is calling them to welcome each other as brothers and sisters in Christ in the midst of having differing opinions, in the midst of practicing their faith a little differently. You see, the strong, most probably, notably the The Gentile Christians need to remember the Jews were God's chosen people to be a light to the Gentiles. That was God's plan from the very beginning. And he says it. He makes it very clear. Paul uses the Old Testament to prove this, to show the Gentiles, to show the Jewish Christians that this was God's plan. That the body of Christ would be wide 
far-reaching. And that more people would no longer be dead spiritually, but alive in Christ. And each point that Paul makes is strategic. It's a strategic note. Because he quotes the Jewish scriptures. And he says he quotes from Deuteronomy. And then he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. And he quotes twice from the Psalms. And if we think about the Old Testament in its entirety, guess what it's made up of? The law, the Torah, Deuteronomy, the prophets, Isaiah, and the writing, Psalms. The law, the prophets, and the writings all point to this message. That God's plan was for the Gentiles to know the hope that God was going to use the Jewish community to be a light and to welcome them into the family. What a beautiful thing it is. And the barriers between these Jews and Gentiles are to be torn down by Christ. But yet we build up barriers by how we worship. By maybe a different theological perspective that we carry that is different than our brothers and sisters who might be worshiping across the street. I can only imagine for the Jews and the Gentiles there was a lot of hurt because there are days where I think I'm right and I forget that being right is not always the good of someone else. It doesn't always work for their good. And I've hurt people. I've challenged and hurt relationships that are so dear to me because of my own pride. And I wonder if it's even possible to accept someone if forgiveness is not a realized action in our lives. I'm wondering if we can welcome a brother or sister into our lives if we haven't realized forgiveness in a real way. You know, for some of us today, there are people in our own body of Christ whom we hold differing opinions. And Paul is telling the church in Rome, accept one another. These are non-essential matters. But I think forgiveness needs to set in first. And for forgiveness, we know it. Or do we? Someone once said, A forgiven people are forgiving people. And perhaps we lack the spirit of forgiveness in our own lives. And perhaps the indicator of our lack of understanding of the depths of which Christ accepts us and forgives us is no longer extended to our brother and sister. It's fascinating. As I was growing up, Um, in the Coptic Orthodox Church. My mom is a a faithful, practicing Coptic Christian. And uh, I I, I can't think of anyone else who is so much more faithful to Christ than my mom. And I remember growing up, thinking, trying to figure out, as I was attending Coptic services with her, here in the United States, As a young boy trying to figure out the standing up and the sitting down and the incense and what all the purpose is. And I remember I got into about middle school. 
I started asking these really mean questions. Like, why do you do this? Is this really required? I do, do I have to do... Do I have to do the kneeling thing and the bowing thing? Do I have to take my shoes off? Why do I have to take my shoes off before I walk into the sanctuary and onto the altar? Begin asking all these questions in a way that caused division between my mom and me. They would, oh man, they would say things over and over and over and over. And I would always ask, why do we need to repeat it? Just once is enough, isn't it? And I realized something about two years ago. As God is forming me, as God is transforming me, I realized this phrase came to mind. I was doing some self-reflection. And that phrase came to mind as I remember hearing my mom and my cousins reciting this over and over and over again, and it simply means, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. As I reflect on my own brokenness, I can only say, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy on me, Lord have mercy on me. I remember having a conversation with my mom just a few months after and having to say, Mom, thank you for never excluding me from the family of faith. For looking at me as the weak one who didn't understand and accepting me. And of course you think, well, that's what your mom's supposed to do. I said some mean things. I, to the point where I may have even questioned her salvation in the, in the process. And never once... Never once did she question mine, and she accepted me. And now I have a beautiful picture, a much richer picture of the church, which includes my Coptic brothers and sisters who confess Christ as Lord with their mouth and believe in their heart, and they faithfully walk with Jesus. It just looks a little different than I do. It looks a little bit different than how I walk with Jesus. I needed that forgiveness in my own heart to set in. I needed to see it. Christ needed to transform me in the process of transforming community around me. Bringing us together as one. Someone once said, If we don't accept one another as believers in Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, our worship is muted. Paul tells us very clearly. He says it, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That as we accept one another, our worship resonates more clearly. And I'm wondering, heaven forbid, our worship this morning might be muted. Because we're struggling with something internally. And forgiveness needs to set in. I find that when I point my finger at someone, guess what? My mom taught me there are three fingers pointing back at myself. 
See, Jesus is working in me and transforming my heart in order that a community might also experience that transformation. It is a vertical relationship that I have with God that impacts the horizontal relationship that I have in the body of Christ. And as Christ works in me, the transformation in me takes place and it starts with me and it impacts those around me. Of course, of course, our horizontal relationship right now is hindered, it's hurting. As people are at home and they're divided on opinions about everything, the best practice on how to deal with the virus or the political place we find ourselves in this moment or by denominations. These ties, they cannot run deeper than the gospel lives in us. It is the gospel in us that draws us to one another and allows us to accept one another. For I was once blind, but now I see. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was once an enemy of God, but now I'm a beloved child of God. I was dead, and now I'm alive. This is our story of reconciliation with God, and it connects us horizontally. And yet, we still find ways to be divided. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. It is this day that we celebrate God's mercy. It is this day that we gather around the table that Christ instituted. It is this table that affords us forgiveness when we fall short from accepting one another. When we allow the the non-essentials to divide us and we lose sight of the beauty of the forgiveness that we cling to in Christ. This table unites us together as one body under the banner of love. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. I introduced you last week to a sign that we use in our youth ministry. And that sign was the merging sign. And uh, some of you thought possibly that Pastor John would steal those signs. I don't steal those signs. They're significant signs. We actually buy them. And um, there are several signs in our youth room. And each sign has a specific word tied to it. And last week the sign to merge was to do ministry, to come alongside of someone. And today the sign that comes to my mind so clear is a sign that says road work ahead. And this sign means discipleship. This sign for me and for our students and our youth ministry means that there is work to be done in my life as Christ is transforming me. As Christ transforms me, the community also is transformed. 
Because we're being transformed together, accepting one another, following Christ together. And we place this sign strategically in the youth room. It's on the door going out of the youth room. So students leave the room, they see this sign, and I hope and my prayer is that they would be reminded that there is road work ahead. There is good transforming work that the Holy Spirit has started and is doing in each one of them. And I hope this sign reminds you that as you walk out these doors, that there is good work that the Holy Spirit is doing in you to accept one another and not to be divided, to cling to Christ as our Lord and Savior and to allow the practice of faith to be wide and diverse as the church is wide and diverse.